Welcome back to Feed the Post, and we are back. It's been a few weeks uh, since I've done one of these podcasts. Just kind of wanted to figure out exactly where I wanted to go with all of this stuff. And I think going live uh, is something that I plan on doing semi-regularly, if not like once a week. Um, as of right now, I think the plan is probably Sunday nights, although I do know I'm starting back up with these with you know Christmas next week, New Year's the following week. So probably a little bit wonky schedule for the next couple weeks. Uh, but then get into a rhythm more of Sunday night or Monday night going live, just recapping the Big Ten week, previewing the upcoming week, hit on a few teams, um, 30, 45 minutes, hopefully. I know, you know, over on my coverage on Boilers in the Stands, we say that a lot of times and then it just goes way over. But 30, 45 minutes, hopefully we do that. Um, and yeah, we'll just jump right into it. First, we're going to start off with just recapping this week, obviously with finals and all that stuff, winter break, not as many games going on within the Big Ten. Um, no, no games at all played Monday, Tuesday. The only one of notes that I'm going to talk about, uh, Maryland won 105 to 65 against Alcorn State. Only thing that's worth really mentioning and the why, only reason I'm even going to bring this up is that Maryland knocked down 14 threes on 30 attempts, 46.7%. Uh, Obviously, they're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. Yes, it is against a bad team, but when it comes to just pure shot making like that, it's a good thing to at least see the shots go in for them. Um, I still have a little bit of hope that they can be, obviously they're not going to be this upper tier Big Ten team that I thought they would be coming into the season, but uh, I think I still have a little bit of hope that they can at least become a middling and like bubble type team. Obviously that's going to take a lot of wins in the Big Ten and who knows if they actually get there. Uh, Wednesday, some of the key games on the men's side is Chicago State beats Northwestern 75 to 73. We're going to talk about that coming up in just a bit, so I will hold off on that. On the women's side, Princeton beats Rutgers 66 to 55. It's just another game that Rutgers has kind of struggled to score the ball. Um, I really don't think Rutgers is that far away from being a good team. Like, I really don't. I think they're right there. I've liked what Michael has done a lot this year. Kind of, she's kind of the one that's been able to do a bit of everything. Um, you know, they have some shooters, they have some guard. Like, I just don't think they're that far away. I think they have a lot of pieces. Just got to kind of put it all together for 40 minutes, um, knock down some more shots consistently, and then they're kind of right in there. Thursday, Friday, no real games of notes. Um, Saturday, there's a you know pretty big, pretty big Big Ten slate for for uh, the Big Ten in general. Purdue knocks off Arizona 92-84. to 84. I have a video on my YouTube. Should be linked in the comments below, or uh, in the description below, I mean, of uh, just kind of breaking down how Purdue was able to overcome Arizona, what they did well, you know, including, obviously, Fletcher Lawyer goes for 27, Braden Smith goes for 26, Edie for 22. Uh, they combined for 75 of the 92 points for Purdue against Arizona in a game that was a really, really fun. I was fortunate to be at that game uh, doing covers for Boilers in the Stands and just a great atmosphere for a, you know, I know it's a, it's a semi-home game for Purdue, but it is a neutral game at, at its core, right? It's not at Mackey, um, a, a neutral game, just a packed house. And it was loud in there. It really was. And I was, I was just impressed in general. Uh, not some other big, get, big games from the Big Ten on the weekend. Um, the one that hurts the Big Ten the most, Kansas beats Indiana 75 to 71. This would have been a big spot for IU just to have a quality win, as we're going to talk about later in the show. It's just like a lot of these teams are going to have to go just play really, really well in Big Ten play to have a chance at the at making the tourney. Um, right now, there's you know four teams that are pretty comfortably in, I would say, and then there's a few that have a good to decent chance. Um, but Kansas won 75-71. Indiana looked good for three quarters of the game. And really just, it came back to me for the half court offense. Um, it just, when they got out and ran, things were good. 
And when Galloway, you know, he had a career high 28, I believe. Um, and he did some really good stuff on offense in the half court of just being able to get downhill. IU went to this, I call it a snug handoff or snug Chicago. Um, and what I mean by snug is like this handoff is happening like pretty much all within the paints. Like it was Chloe Ware and Galloway kind of empty side. And Ware was handing it off about eight feet from the rim. And Galloway's either just kind of tight curl or he's floating to 10 feet or whatever. Um, and, and so I call that snug. But IU went to that a bunch in that second half, and they got good looks from that. But just at the end of the day, I think the lack of depth that they have, especially with Xavier Johnson out, just kind of came through. Gabe Cubs um, is a solid, you know, I'd say he's a solid freshman point guard. He's definitely done done his job. But at the same time, he's not a guy that's going to go out and get you a ton of points at this very moment. Can he be that guy one day? 100%. I think he's kind of just has that in him to be that type of guy. I mean, he put up 11 against Auburn in a blowout loss, but still put up 11. Um, Mackenzie McBacco looked really good, and he's starting to become really, really comfortable in the Indiana offense. And then you saw it a couple times. I think he had two pull-up threes, if I'm remembering correctly. I know one for sure, um, just kind of coming off a screen, getting into his rhythm, top of the key, and as I mentioned before, the half court offense just is is kind of stagnant at times for IU, and that's where Mackenzie McBacco can come in. If he's going to be playing the three, he just kind of has to knock those down those types of shots. Um, yeah, double digits in six straight games for him there, and just I thought even on the defensive end, I thought there was more energy from him. Um, still not a great defender, but I think he's improving on that end. Five rebounds to go along with it. Um, also had a couple drives to the rim, which is important. He has two, two of five from two, but I believe both makes were at the rim and one of them was an and one. So he's not just purely settling for jumpers right now. Um, it's a lot, it's, it's becoming a little bit more of a mix and IU needs him to score the ball just straight up. Leak Renew and Chloe are going to do their thing. Galloway obviously had a great game, but you can't rely on that for him every single game. Um, and it's, it's going to rest on his shoulders a lot, especially with just not a ton of depth on this IU roster. So um, next game, MSU beats Baylor 88 to 64. We'll talk about Michigan State in a bit, but a huge win for the Big Ten. Um, just, you know, that's why the Kansas one would have been so big for IU, too. Now you have, you know, a couple more teams with a really good non conference win. And right now we'll talk about the, we'll talk about all the top wins in the non conference for the Big Ten. And uh, there aren't many. There really aren't, especially when you take out Purdue, who's obviously got, you know, top seed locked up as of right now. Georgia Tech beats Penn State 82-81 in overtime. I know there was some controversial call kind of down the stretch. Um, it's just Penn State, they're a little bit worse than it was I, I was expecting coming into the year. And honestly, it's the defense. I thought the defense was going to be better than what it was. Uh, this, these are a lot higher scoring games than what I'm expecting. I'm pulling up their Ken Palm right now. Um, yeah, 98th in offense, 149th in defense. And honestly, like if you know, if you've looked at what Mike Rose has done at VCU, it's, you know, top 15 defenses and then it's like 150 on offense. Uh, like, um, sorry, 150 on offense. And I thought that was going to carry over to Penn State this year too. And it just didn't. Um, it hasn't so far. Ace ball win's been fine. Uh, Kanye Clary has been pretty good. He's He's been good, I think, attacking the rim and stuff. But just I thought the defense would be better. They have a bunch of wings. I thought they were going to switch more, um, have more effectiveness in the press, although they are forcing a ton of turnovers. So they'll probably be the bottom dweller in the conference, kind of because Minnesota is also pretty good. Um, but it is what it is. Penn State's going to – they're still going to be a tough out. Like, they're not going to be a team you want to play in Big Ten play, I don't think, especially with how many turnovers they can force at a time. But 
Uh, Northwestern did bounce back from the Chicago State loss, beat DePaul 56 to 46. I've not gone back and watched that game yet. I do plan on doing that uh, sometime this week. Not looking forward to it, just based on the score. Um, we'll talk about the we'll talk about it a little bit more. And then the last big game from Saturday, Ohio State beats UCLA 67 to 70 in a game that they combined to go two of 24 from three. Uh, not a pretty game by any means, but a game that Ohio State badly needed, especially with that that Penn State loss kind of, um, you know, just a week ago. As Ohio State's a team that is going to be comfortably in the tourney as of right now, they just can't let it slide. They could not let this Penn, that Penn State, uh, what was it, 18-point second half collapse into two losses in a row to UCLA, who's like, UCLA, what, they're, they're solid. They're going to be probably a borderline tourney team. I'm not, like, fully familiar looking through. Um, their best win right now is they have a one point win at home against UC Riverside, who's 250th in Ken Palm. That is their best win on the year. So like UCLA hasn't really proven themselves at all this year either. A much needed win for Ohio State. You get a little bit of the balanced scoring. You know, Thorne, Battle, Gale, Akpara all score double digits. Uh, if Akpara is scoring in double digits, I think that's a pretty big thing because he what his value is is just purely defense. He's he's the defensive guy and Zeg he's the offensive guy. Um, and you see you've seen Ohio state get into a little bit of trouble, especially in that Penn state game too, of like, you just need Akpar out there for the defense, but now you're putting even more pressure on, you know, a good perimeter duo and get Thorne and Gale and that battle can knock down shots. But um, uh, if Akpar can take that leap is he just, he's not going to be a post-up guy, but you know, pick and roll, get some lobs, be in the dunker spot, some offensive rebounds and putbacks. That'll be big for Ohio state just to kind of make their lineups more cohesive. I've liked what Evan Mahaffey has done. Um, he didn't have a great game against UCLA, but I've enjoyed how they've used him as kind of this. They'll put him a lot in the high post or the, at the elbow 15 foot mark, and they basically just throw it into him and then let him kick out from there. Um, so you've seen Battle get a bunch of threes off of that. Uh, he was only one for five. Battle was only one for five from three this game. Like I said, Ohio State was one for 15 and UCLA was one for 10. Not a fun game in general, just low scoring. You had that uh, the Evo ball. Um, if anybody believes in that, although I know Craig Craig Bowers believes it's cursed, or at least or uh, the curse has been broken for Purdue. Last day, and that is today. Nebraska beats Kansas State sixty-two to forty-six. Um, I have not watched this yet. I'm going to you know be transparent there, but Nebraska held Kansas State to twelve second-half points, and that's where you know Nebraska has kind of struggled defensively, and they have their scheme right, and, and the scheme is going to force a lot of threes. They're going to show a ton of help in the paints at the rim and just make guys shoot threes on them. And Kansas state went ice cold. They went four for 30 from three. Um, and so now when Nebraska does, you know, Nebraska did not have a great offensive game, although they had 22 offensive rebounds, including 11 from Juwan Gary. Um, that's, I mean, that's the reason they won right there is the offensive rebounding, but when they don't have a great offensive game, if other teams are not going to shoot the ball well, then they can keep themselves in any type of game. That's a huge win for them. I know Kansas State isn't great this year, but a true road win. Um, and that's, you know, now they've picked up wins against Michigan State at Kansas State. Duquesne is an all right win. Um, and then the rest of their schedule has been pretty easy for the most part. Um, but that's, oh, and then the other one uh, on the women's side, Missouri beats Illinois 69 to 66. Illinois struggling more than I expected this year coming, you know, with, with, kind of all the talent they have they're just not a deep team right now they're playing pretty much six a little bit of seven deep they have to just rely on cook and brian and bostic a ton um and brian uh, genesis brian went off this game um i'm blanking on her exact point total right now but um they have the guard play to beat anybody every night with cook and bryant but 
it just yeah just hasn't quite hasn't quite formulized to what I expect right now. They're you know five and three, zero and one in the conference. Um, everybody on the the women's side has played one Big Ten conference game. They'll resume that right at I believe right before New Year's is when the next set of games start, and then it's Big Ten play the rest of the way from there. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the the week recap. Um, a good week on the men's side for the Big Ten. On the women's side, it was a lot of buy games in general. There wasn't too many marquee games to look at. Um, Jeff Park says. You know, 9-2 record for the conference this weekend should really help the metrics 100%. We're going to talk about that in a bit when we're just talking about the Big Ten in general. But this is the week that weekends that Big Ten badly needed wins, and they at least got some. Um, and that's that's important going into Big Ten play when you have to play each other and your good wins have to come against teams that also haven't had a ton of good non-conference wins. So with all that, we'll move on to Northwestern and – uh, yeah, losing to Chicago State is not good to say it in the, the lightest way possible. Um, their defense was just awful that game, and that's what it was like. Chicago State sort of got to do what they wanted on offense, and if Chicago State's doing what they want on offense, that's just a bad sign. Now, Northwestern also could have just easily won the game too, just by had like just pretty much out offensing them. Uh, but they did something pretty uncharacteristic for themselves and they had 14 turnovers. Like that's just not who they are. They're one of the best teams in the country at, at handling the ball. But um, starting on the, we'll start on the defense as I kind of got sidetracked there. Chicago state ran a bunch of Spain pick and roll. And so Spain pick and roll is where you have your normal pick and roll, but as that's happening, somebody is back screening the big. And basically with, especially with Nicholson in, he was kind of put into these weird spots of, playing drop, but also needing to help out onto the perimeter. Um, and then Chicago State guards, like they just got downhill a ton and kicked. Now also credit Chicago State, they hit eight threes, eight for 23, you know, 35%. And they're a team that is shooting 28% on the year. Um, so if you're a Northwestern fan, you can probably look at that a bit too of like, hey, that's just a little bit of bad luck. But at the end of the day, they, they did it to themselves. They allowed Chicago State to get downhill to get these good looks. And then they had 14 turnovers on top of it. And so now Chicago State can get out and run a little bit, and they don't have to get into this half-court offensive system. Um, and now, you know, when that happens, you knock down a couple threes, some turnovers, that's when these upsets happen. And, like, it's – I mean, we obviously saw Northwestern beat Purdue at home, so they'll have one of the best wins in the country um, with, you know, beating Purdue. But at the same time, this, like, this might be the worst loss in the country with – I. I this, there's something else I'm missing that like where somebody lost to a worse team than Chicago State, um, as good of a talent as Northwestern is, and it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens comes tourney time. Now I know Iowa last year lost to what was it Eastern Illinois, and they did still end up as an eight seed, so it's definitely doable. But it's all going to come back to hey, the Big Ten did not win well in non-conference play, and that's just going to hurt everybody in general. Um, and so, you know, they bounced back nicely against DePaul, 56 to 46. I assume that what they did for the, the days between the Chicago State and the DePaul game was they just practiced a bunch of defense, uh, 46 points for DePaul. Even if DePaul isn't good, like that's obviously still an insane number. It was a very slow game, only 60 possessions. Both teams really just kind of like wanted to slow it down. Um, four of 22 from three for DePaul, nine of 23 from two. Just better defense in general. Um, just more disciplined, I thought, staying true to who they are, of keeping the ball in far, in front of them, uh, just forcing tough shots and, and, you know, what they do. Like, they're another team similar to Nebraska that when the drives do happen, they're going to show a ton of help. They're going to double the post always. They're just going to have multiple guys in the paint at all times. Um, and now DePaul goes four of 22 from three. And, hey, 
that's that's you don't have, really have to score then on offense if that happens. The other thing I want to talk about with Northwestern is they need both Barry and Langborg. Like Bowie, Bowie and Barnheiser, they're going to do their thing. They're, Bowie's going to – he didn't have a great game. He was only one for seven from three, 11 points, four assists against DePaul. Um, but if you go back to the Chicago State game, Bowie has 23 points, six rebounds, eight assists, three turnovers. Barnheiser has 13.6 rebounds. Langborg has 18 points on five of six from three. And then it's just nobody really else. Barry was three points, uh, four assists, three turnovers against Chicago State. And then against DePaul, no points, five rebounds, 0-5 from three, 0 of one from two. Northwestern just doesn't have the depth to be able to a lot like have guys have off nights like that. Um, if you go back to the Purdue game, that was both Langborg and Barry were on. And now it makes it tough too, because then, and as, as talked about as someone like the post-game show and stuff, is you can't double the buoy then. And so as buoy was coming off, you know, pick and rolls against Purdue. Purdue was forced to switch, and it was always Fletcher Lawyer, and now Bowie goes at Lawyer, and now they're getting good shots. But that's because Barnheiser – or not Barnheiser, uh, a lot of Bs, B in the last names for Northwestern. But uh, Langborg and Barry are both knocking down threes. I think they were four for five from three and three for five from three. And so now you can't afford to put two on the ball because they're going to knock down shots. In a game like Chicago State or DePaul, Barry's not really there offensively, and so now you can afford to, to kind of sag off. Now Barry has shot well this year. He's 38%. Langborg's 43%. Um, but it's been very streaky from very streaky from Barry. Uh, Langborg's been a little bit more consistent, I think, after a little bit of a slower start. Um, and then he's they're both guys that can shoot the leather off the ball. But this is just a, yeah, a team that doesn't have a ton of depth. I mean, against Chicago State, they really played six deep. Um, they played a little bit of Luke Hunger. I'm curious why we didn't see Blake Preston at all because he did play against DePaul. And so, like, maybe there was an injury thing that I just missed. And if that's the case, then my bad on that front. Um, but against Chicago State, Nicholson go plays 20 points. Martinelli played 19 points where they kind of just went to the super small ball of like Barnheiser, Martinelli, and then their three guards. Um, Hunger played seven minutes. It's just, yeah, not a team that's really deep at all right now. And they need all the production they can get. With all that said, and they had one of the worst losses, I'm still not really sold on them because of how I just don't think the defense has been good all year. I don't think it was just a Chicago State game. Like I just It just hasn't quite hit the same. Obviously, you lose Audij, that's going to happen. Uh, but they also have Boo Booey, and so they can win any game that they're in because Boo Booey exists, and he's really, really good at what he does. Um, moving on to Michigan State, their only game of the week, they beat Baylor 88-64 to and just what was a must-win game. Um, they they had to get this more than anything. Uh, four or five, or they were four and five coming into the game. Now they're five and five, and this was just – this was kind of what people, me especially, were hoping MSU would be as you know coming into the season this top five team in the country um and i think watching this and just the season in general but especially this game um they just it everything has to go through the defense for them that's just who they are this year losing hauser was a big deal on the offensive front they're not getting as good looks as they probably wanted um but when they're locked in defensively like they were for this game and just kind of blitzed baylor now they can get out and run now they you know Carr had a couple lobs aiken had a lob um just get on transition, get some buckets. And then Tyson Walker also hits some tough jumpers. So if you have Tyson Walker hitting tough jumpers, um, good defense, and then getting some transition points, like MSU is going to be in a good spot. Like I said, must needed, much, much needed game for Michigan State. Can they put it together for multiple games in a row? Um, I'm pulling up their schedule now. 
you know, Oakland, Stony Brook, Indiana State, the next three. Um, Oakland and Indiana State, Indiana State especially, like those aren't going to be the easiest of games. Oakland took Ohio State to the wire already this year. Um, I think they were tied at half against Illinois. Indiana State's good. Like they're just a good basketball team. And like, um, you know, Michigan State already lost to James Madison at home this year. After that, they do get, you know, they have Penn State at home to kind of restart the Big Ten play at Northwestern. And then they're at Illinois. So probably by that that third Big Ten game at Illinois, that's a big one. If they are going to be this team that you know competes in the Big Ten, competes in the tourney, that's I don't know if they have to win that, but they got to be pretty close. Um, but aside from that, like they do have a chance to get back above five hundred pretty quick in Big Ten play. Home against Penn State at Northwestern at Illinois, and then home against Rutgers, home against Minnesota at Maryland. Um, these are, you know, games that are all pretty winnable for the most part. Illinois is obviously the game they're going to be an underdog in. They win even like four of those. Now they're, what, four and three or four and four based on that. Um, can get back to at least 500 and kind of work their ways from there. So going to be a big game for them. Tyson Walker against Baylor hitting those big shots early also just set a tone. And then he was able to, there was a couple times he just told whatever defender he wanted. He said, hey, come here. And then he just went to cooking them. Um, Cohen Carr. The dunks are the dunks are elite. The dunks are just insane. But there's I posted on my Twitter and I'll probably retweet it because I've thought about it at least like 25 times a day. He makes this weak side rotation against a lob and like it's so so okay. Baylor pick and roll, middle of the floor, big rolls, cone cars in the corner defending, and he just runs over, jumps up, and bats the ball out of the air before the lob, like whoever who's rolling before he even catches the lob. Like it was just an elite defensive play, and I love that's that's what he can kind of bring. He can be this secondary rim protector, even at six five, six six, because he can just jump so high so fast. Um, he you know recovered super quickly, and it was just it was an insane play to watch. Like I literally was just like, what was that as I watched? Um, but a big win for Michigan State. The other thing with it is that they just seem to have some joy again. Like this was a team that was kind of down bad. Um, you know, Tom Izzo was saying they needed to be tougher and all that stuff. And, you know, Tom Izzo is who is, he is as a coach anyways and his personality. Um, but this was just a game you saw everybody being excited for each other. You saw just the energy flowing through the team. You, um, and they need that. They need to have each other's backs. Obviously, I don't know what the locker room is like and all of that. Just speaking from a purely outside perspective, like, it was good just to see them enjoy playing basketball, it seemed like, again. Obviously, getting out to like a 30-point lead in the first half against one of the best offenses in the country will do that. Um, Xavier Booker gets some minutes. He was, even without the blowout, he was going to get at least a few minutes. Uh, knocked down two twos and a three, seven points in his seven minutes of play. Curious to see what he kind of gets going forward. Um, is it going to be, you know, is he going to start getting more minutes? I did think Sissoko and Cooper both played really well as being both uh, lob threats on the roll, you know, good rim protectors. I thought just much better in general. So um, maybe maybe the Booker thing gets cooked down a little bit more. But I would expect sometime soon in Big Ten play, he's just going to have to get some more minutes because if Michigan State keeps losing like they are, then something's got to change. Um, so moving on to you know, kind of we've kind of skimmed through all the games. Like I said, with it being Finals Week and all that, there aren't as many big games to talk about. Um, just want to talk about the Big Ten in general. And this is a, a league right now that's usually been very, very dominant in non-conference play. And so when they get, you know, nine, ten bids, uh, what they had last year, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, they had eight bids last year um, and a couple right on the bubble that could have pushed it to nine or even ten is because they were just so – everybody was so good in, not, in non-conference play. 
And now you get that's where you get the people outside the Big Ten that are mad of like, hey, the Big Ten doesn't do well in the tournament. Why are they having so many teams? Well, they, they just take care of business in, in non-conference play, and that has not happened at all this year. Right now, to me, I assume that this is a five to six bid league. Um, Jonah Freeman asked, how many teams do you see making the tournament as of right now? So my locks, Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Um, Ohio State is definitely the closest to being knocked out of that group because just of what their schedule has been. But those right now, I don't see any real scenario unless it's like a doomsday scenario that they don't make the tournament. Um, and then there's probably four that I think have a chance, three of them probably more than others. The four, Michigan State, Nebraska, Northwestern. I'm throwing Indiana in more of just like I think that they have the talent to get there just at this point i don't i just don't they're they're the bottom of that because i just don't know if they have any will have many quality wins to get them that's why the kansas game would have been huge obviously they get blown out by auburn but uh purdue wisconsin illinois ohio state locks michigan state we saw what they can be right they just destroyed baylor um a great and they pick up their first really big non-conference win they've also lost to james madison who isn't you know james madison's a top 70 ken palm team but losing at home to them is going to be big the only thing that they have going for them right now is their other four losses are Duke neutral, Arizona neutral, at home to Wisconsin. So those are all you know three top twenty-five-ish teams. I know Duke isn't like as great as usual this year, um, and then even at Nebraska isn't a bad loss with how Nebraska's played. Like Nebraska's, what are they? They're nine and two right now. Their two losses coming to Creighton, and then that game that they absolutely blew against Minnesota. Um, so Michigan State has the path to get there for sure. Nebraska is an interesting one. We um, two they have two decent to non like two decent to solid non conference wins at this point. Um, they obviously just picked up a win at Kansas State. Kansas State isn't as good this year, but it's still a good win. Duquesne is solid. Like it's a game that they needed to win, and they did at least. Uh, but they already have the win against Michigan State. Their thing is right now is they are 309th in their non conference strength of schedule. So, like, yes, they won a lot of their non-conference games, but at the same time, they just haven't played a ton of players. You look at their next two; their next two games are North Dakota and South Carolina State, both bottom 250 teams in Ken Palm. And so, by the time they get to Big Ten play, their only top 100 teams non-conference games they'll played is Duquesne, who's 81, they beat by 10. Home against Crane, who's you know top 10 team, they got smoked, and then the, the one that, that they got today at Kansas State. Um, they are going to probably have to get to 11 Big Ten-ish wins, 11-ish Big Ten wins, in my opinion, unless like they're able to knock off Purdue or something like that. Um, but they have the talent to get there. Northwestern's the interesting case of like, hey, they have this insanely good win against Purdue. They also, like I said, have one of the worst losses possible against Chicago State at home. Um, a good win against Dayton is becoming a you know a little bit better kind of day by day. Uh, their thing is kind of similar to Nebraska. They have played their two. They have two non-conference games against top, basically against top 200 opponents um, right now. Per Ken Palm, they beat Dayton and then they lost to Mississippi State. They do play Arizona State this Wednesday, which we'll talk about in the week preview. That's a very big game for them uh, right there. They have the talent to get to the tourney, but is that Chicago State loss going to loom large? And Indiana's more, like I said, just in there because I think that they can. I think that they can be the fifth or sixth best team in the Big Ten. And if they are that, are they going to just kind of get in by just default because the Big Ten has so many teams? Their only three losses are UConn, Auburn, Kansas. They also haven't beaten anybody like amazing. The best win at Michigan. They beat Maryland at home. So they took care of business in the non-conference. But um, 
I don't know. That it's that's more of a if people were like, there's no chance IU gets in, I'm cool with that. I think they just they have the talents to me because of what their defense can be um, to be a top five, six team. I don't know if they quite get there, but it's just it's a tough it's a tough look right now in the Big Ten. Um, Craig Bauer says, uh, Joe, let's be honest. MSU has been an embarrassment to the league, killed Baylor, but Baylor's record was built on a straw foundation. Um, yeah, I mean, MSU has not been good. Obviously, every most people had them top five, top ten in the country. Um, even I would say people that were kind of doubting them kind of default put them up there and they have not been anywhere close to that. Um, before we move on to the week preview, I'm just going to read through these. So we're taking out Purdue because Purdue's just in a tier, like Purdue's in a tier and then it's like two tiers of like nothing. And then it's probably like the rest of the big 10. Um, but taking out Purdue's non-conference wins, these are the best, you know, non-conference wins the entire big 10 has Illinois over FAU. Wisconsin over Virginia, Wisconsin over Marquette. So three of them coming from, you know, presumably the second and third best team in the Big Ten, or at least two of the top uh, four teams for sure. Northwestern over Dayton, Ohio State over Bama, and Ohio State over UCLA. And then the next one after that is Nebraska over Kansas State. So you have one, two, three, six games right now that don't involve Purdue that are top 50 Ken Palm wins for the Big Ten. There's six. That's it. Uh, this is a league that usually cleans up in non-conference, and that's what they've done the past few years. And now they have six good, six wins that you'd say are good, probably seventh with a Nebraska win over Kansas State. Um, and if I miss something, that's on me, my bad. But it just kind of goes to show, like, this is where teams are going to, like, have to get to 11 or 12 Big Ten wins. Um, and if if it's anything like last year, you're going to have a bunch of teams that are, eight, you know, eight to 11 win teams. Eight to ten wins in the Big Ten. I don't know if it gets it done unless you knock off like Purdue and at least one of Illinois or Wisconsin. Um, it's gonna be. It's just gonna be interesting what kind of happens comes any time because there just aren't that many wins, and so now you're playing teams that don't have good wins, and your wins are looking a little bit less impressive day by day. So I think um, you know I just kind of wanted to get a little bit of that rant off of like, hey, the Big Ten's in trouble. We'll kind of wrap it up here, go through the week preview. Um, this is another week that there aren't like an insane number of games, but there are some solid ones. Uh, start Monday, December 18th. What should be the game of the week? Probably, honest, unless there's something I don't know about, probably in college basketball in, in general, though, and that is the Ohio State women's team taking on UCLA at home. That's 630 on FS1, uh, number two versus number 12 in the country, and just – this should be an absolute fun game. Um, you know, both teams are really, really talented. Ohio State plays with a ton of pace. They can score with anybody. Uh, UCLA has been pretty dominant this year. And so I'm I'm really, really excited for what this game should be. On Tuesday, Michigan uh, takes on Florida, 7 o'clock ESPN, I believe, in the Jumpman Classic. That is a neutral game. Michigan needs this badly. We just talked about, hey, the Big Ten has like five good non-conference wins. A win here for Michigan would probably put them in that category of at least having one. Um, they have obviously they started off super hot against some not great teams. They beat St. John's, which is, you know, solid enough. Um, but aside from that, they, you know, they've lost to a lot of pretty good teams so far. They kind of got to turn it around. A Florida win right here would be big for them. On Wednesday, that's probably the day with the most amount of action. Uh, you got the Illinois women's team taking on Arkansas at 11 a.m. on Flow Hoops. Um, that is a tournament that they are in. Should be a fun matchup. Arkansas solid. Illinois is looking to turn things around, like I said. Uh, they have Illinois is always just fun to watch though because they have such good guard play and Cook and Bre and Bryant that on any given game either of them can really just go off and just it's a they're a fun team to watch. Um, on the women's side, Michigan takes on Florida six thirty on ESPN two. 
another game that Michigan's looking solid. They've kind of been up and down. Uh, they, you know, they they lost a the game. Then the next game they won by 40. And it's just kind of back and forth. They're trying to figure out exactly who they are. Um, the final game on the women's side on Wednesday would be Nebraska at Kansas, 730 on ESPN+. Plus. Nebraska is going to be this kind of borderline tournament team. They're probably, I mean, I know it's early. If it started today, they're probably in. Um, they look solid. They have some good pieces. And Kansas is also another team that's on the bubble. I think it's just going to be fun. Um, and right, yeah, right now per hoop, her hoop stats, both teams are either in or like right on the bubble. On the men's side, Northwestern takes on Arizona State at 830 and ESPN2. It's like a semi-home game for Arizona State. It's in Phoenix. Um, and this feels like a must-win for Northwestern. Arizona State hasn't been great. Um, they're about 100th in Ken Palm right now. But especially after that Chicago State loss, you just can't afford a loss like this to go along with that. And so as tourney hopes kind of start looming, it just feels like a game that North Northwestern has to absolutely win. Um, Thursday, December 21st, there's just a ton of buy games from pretty much everybody, especially on the men's side. On the women's side, Iowa takes on Loyola Chicago on Big Ten Plus. Always fun watching Caitlin Clark and you know, just doing watching her do what she does. Friday, December 22nd, there are two pretty important games on the men's side. Illinois takes on Missouri at 9 o'clock on FS1. Missouri hasn't been great. I believe they just had a pretty bad loss today, too. Um, yeah, I'm not going to be able to find that quick enough. But Illinois is the better team than Missouri. It is a home game. Um, and they're just going to kind of have to take care of business and do what they do on that end. Another win that um, isn't a great win for the Big Ten non-conference game or schedule. But at the same time, a win is a win. Oh, Missouri just lost to Seen Hall. That's who they lost to. But the actual biggest game on the men's side on that day is Maryland at UCLA on ESPN2. I kind of already said UCLA isn't like a juggernaut this year. They're still a solid team. Um, and if Maryland wants any chance of turning things around, it it has to start with this UCLA game. Uh, 100%, like they they need this game badly. Um, you pick up a, you know, pick up a good road victory, non-conference win. Um, so the UCLA game is sandwiched between two bye games for them. And then they jump into Purdue. So, like, I mean, if they win their, if they're able to win their next four, two by games at UCLA and, and home against Purdue, they're at least looking somewhat like the team we I thought that they could be coming into the year. Um, they're another team that, hey, they just don't have a good non-conference win at this point. And so getting at least even at UCLA would be big if they have any chance of turning it around. I know I have a little more hope in them than compared to most. And that's just probably more preseason bias. And I'm willing to admit that it is what it is. And the last game of the week, Saturday, December 23rd, is the only game of the day is Rutgers against Mississippi State. That is at 12 o'clock on Big Ten Network. Um, this is another game that it's, it's kind of the theme right now for the Big Ten of, hey, you just kind of need this because you need something in non-conference play. Their Rutgers' best win is at Seton Hall right now. Um, picking up a win against a good Mississippi State game heading into Christmas would be huge for them. Um, you know, they've... Rutgers doesn't have a bad loss. Their worst loss is, is probably at Wake Forest or neutral against Princeton. Um, I mean, those are two of the three losses, the other one being Illinois. I don't know what to make of them. I don't trust the offense at all. The defense is good, but they also haven't played a ton of good teams yet, and the only teams, good teams they have played, they've lost to. Um, this will probably be a game that at least hopefully can find out a little bit more about them. Um, so, yeah, that takes it there. Obviously, next day is Christmas Eve, and, and then uh, there's going to be, I think, from the 24th to the 27th, there's no Big Ten games at all. Um, just, yeah, 24th to 27th, no Big Ten games at all. 28th, the only game is Maryland against Coppin State. So pretty much five straight days of no Big Ten basketball. Um, 
I don't know exactly what the schedule is going to be for this podcast. Maybe I'd assume next week it'll be sometime after Christmas, maybe that Tuesday or Wednesday, kind of doing a recap and a look ahead. Um, and then after that, it'll be New Year's. We have to figure out exactly what day. And then from there, it'll be either every Sunday night or Monday night. Uh, for anybody, you know, tuning in, I do appreciate it live. Uh, if you're watching this after, then, you know, please hit the like button, subscribe. Like I said, be live. Figure out exact schedule, but we'll we'll get on a schedule. I'm happy to be doing this. I'm happy to be doing this live. I want to kind of get some guests on too at times. Um, keep this a little bit more interactive because I did the podcast for a couple of weeks and I was just like, man, I don't love monologuing to just completely myself for 40 minutes. At least here, you know, I have the chat a little bit uh, interacting with me. But um, yeah, no, I appreciate everybody tuning in. Like, subscribe. I just put out a video, should be linked in the comments, uh, me breaking down what Purdue did against Arizona, going through a couple of the key concepts and, and just kind of breaking down that film. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Jackson CBB. A lot of film breakdown there and stuff. Also, do coverage at Boilers and Stands on Twitter. We have our post game show against Arizona, which is live on YouTube audio. Um, and this will also be on audio on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts. Uh, once again, appreciate everybody tuning in, and I will catch you guys next week, maybe sometime. It'll be sometime soon. Appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll see you later.